When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we've got on another fantastic guest, and this is Miss Gwen Carr, who is the mother of Eric Garner. Welcome to the show, Miss Carr. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I've done a very brief intro there, but for people who are not familiar with who you are and your work, please let us know a little bit more about you. Oh, sure. Um... My name is Gwen Carr. I'm the mother of Eric Gardner. And for nine years, going on 10 now, I've been advocating for justice and not only for myself, but for others around the nation. Uh, There are so many other mothers who have never got any type of recognition once their loved one was murdered. And I tried to share my platform with them. Uh, And so now, I just go different places. I speak, I go to colleges, I go um, to community centers, I go out of state, we go to to um, people's um, events and we speak. So not only that, we also try to love on the mothers, we try to encourage them, embrace them because all mothers are not at the same place. Uh, some are very, you know, very vulnerable. Some are in the hospital after the terrible episode. Some are on strong medication. And we try to advise against that. Uh, also, I advocate for law changes. I've gone to Albany, which is my state capital, um, to advocate so that these terrible things won't continue to happen. Even though we know they still continue to happen, but you know, there's a lot of work to do and I'm really trying to do my part. I'm trying to uplift my son's name. I'm trying to tell the world who he was or who he is to me. So um, I know that there are so many others out there who have joined me and who would like to join me and we, as a whole, I think we could get this work done. I hear that. Well, my condolences. I know that it's been many years, but I know that the pain will still be there. So while I've got you here and I'm speaking to you, I would like to extend my condolences. I remember I was in the UK when that happened and it didn't just make American news. It made it made international news. So I do remember seeing that. For my listeners who may not be familiar with the situation and might not know what we are actually talking about, because I have listeners all over the world, can you just give them a little bit of background info as to what actually happened? Uh, Yes. That day um, when I got news that my son had a confrontation with the police officer. I didn't know what to think or what to do. I just got so anxious. 
So I knew I had to get home. I called my husband. He came to the job and picked me up because I worked for New I was working for New York City Transit Authority as a train operator. So when he got there and I was asking him, did he hear anything? Um, what was going on? He first tried to tell me, no, we're going to go home and we're going to see. But he had already known that the police officer had choked my son to death. And as I, the news kept developing, I found out that Eric was down on the ground saying, I can't breathe. 11 times he said, I can't breathe. But the disconcerned officers decided to take his life anyway. And even though you know, he was down on the ground helpless. Other police officers pounced on him on that hot ground that day. They waved off the EMS. They would not even let the EMS try to save him. This went viral. Everybody on the planet, I think, seen that video. And for me, myself, I could never look at that video in its entirety. It was so disturbing to me. Um, even if I go in a room and someone is planning, I had to leave the room or ask them to cut it off. And even in my home, we would turn away from the news stations because it was too traumatizing for me. Mm. And I just said, after that, I was in such a dark place. But then I decided to get up out of that dark place and turn my mourning into a movement and my sorrow into a strategy. So that's why I'm on this battlefield for justice. And I'm going to keep on this battlefield for as long as I have breath in my body. And I urge everyone to never give up when these things happen. We never know when these things are going to happen. We never think it's going to come knocking on our door. But when it does, we have to be prepared or we don't, we, I'll say if it does, we do not want it. But we know in the black community, this happens over and over and over again. Yeah, I hear that. And I, I feel bad even having you recollect that because it must bring up so many mm -hmm. awful memories. Yes, it does. It does. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. In terms of the aftermath, in terms of everything that's been taken place over the last almost a decade at this point. What are some of the things that you have been specifically campaigning for and what has been the result of that? What changes have been made? Well, I've actually been campaigning for the laws to change. And I have gotten some laws changed collectively with other mothers. I've gotten the um, the Eric Garner anti-chokehold bill passed, um, the right to know bill passed, and the STAT Act um, bill passed. Now, what the STAT Act is, is when our loved ones are killed senselessly, we want to know everything. We want They're telling us that it's not, uh, they don't keep records of it, which we know that's a lie. Every officer has a has a sheet, has a folder, and everything is kept in that, whether it's good or bad. So we want to know the race of the person. We want to know if that person was mentally ill. We want to know uh, the age of that person. 
and was that person on the unarmed when he was taken down. So these laws are on the books, but the laws on the books is no good if they're not enforced. And this is what we are fighting for now to get laws enforced, not just on the books. So the the chokehold ban, first of all, is that is that a state level thing or is that is that federal? Is that around the whole country? No, it's only statewide as as of now. We're trying to get it nationwide. That's with the George Floyd um, Policing Act. It would be a nation if it was passed. It would be a nation law, but right now it's it's being blocked. Um, we uh, can't get it to get passed in both the House and the Senate. And the reason why I think it's not getting passed is because of that, um, because of the police officers, they don't want to get sued individually. And that's in the law, um, that that um, immunity, that um, qualified immunity, that's what it's called. Um, they keep questioning the qualified immunity, but I think that's such an important part in that law because a police officer would think twice about murdering our loved ones if that qualified immunity piece was in there because they could lose their home, they could lose their pension, they you know, they could just lose their livelihood completely. So I think even their wives would remind them in the morning when they let when they left to be careful. Mm -hmm. Because there is more at stake than it has been. And so now when the loved one is killed and they find that the police officers were at fault, who pays for it? We pay for our own loved ones because it's paid for by the state. The, mm -hmm. the, the police um, funds pay for that and it comes out of our money. So I think that, you know, this is just disgraceful. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that in in that specific case as well the the police officer was was the police officer acquitted in that case? No one no, served the time police for that, officer, did they, after I fought for years, 5 years, that police officer, that one police officer was fired. Nothing happened to the other police officers and I'm still fighting to get them fired because they all was involved in my son's death that day. Yeah. And um, they keep putting me off saying, oh, well, we, we can't do anything else about the police officers. Um, it's um, the expiration date has passed. I says, no, I've been fighting this from the beginning and there's no expiration date on murder. What do you think is the primary reason or prime or or main reasons why these type of incidents occur. I know that different people view this through different lens. There are people who think it's primarily a race problem. Some people think it's a police training problem. Some people think it's it's a human heart problem. It, I think there's there might not be a simple answer for this because of course each situation is different. But there seem to have been, there have been multiple incidents clearly over the years, some of them caught on video, some of them not, where the amount of force used compared to what's actually going on or the amount of resistance is very, very disproportionate. 
I think we all understand that it, it must be difficult to be a police officer. And of course, there are times when they have to intentionally kill people because someone is out there trying to harm someone else and they need to stop an imminent danger or something like that. But then we've all also seen these situations where, as I said, it's just, it's very disproportionate and someone is very seriously injured, if not killed unnecessarily. So what do you, what do you think, what do you think is driving that? What do you think is at the heart of the problem? Well, I think the heart of the problem is the system is that deep-seated racism that dates back to slavery. And it has come up through the generations, through, and they think this is the right thing to do. We are not even counted as a whole human being. You know, even in the Constitution, we are not whole human beings. So they feel like when they do harm to our, to our loved ones or to us, it's okay as it was in the past. And we just have to let them know that it is not okay. This system is working as designed. It's working exactly like the way they want it to work. And we are the ones that suffered. We are the most impacted by this system. And the only way we're going to correct this system, I think we have to tear it down and build it up again because it's not working for us. We are treated so much differently in our neighborhoods than they are in our counterpart neighborhoods. If Eric Garner would have been a white man in the suburbs and allegedly that he was selling cigarettes, which he wasn't even selling cigarettes that day. He was just a target. It would have never, ever happened like that. And if even if you speak to some of our Caucasians, uh, counterparts, they even agree with that. I, I know I spoke to one woman and she said, I, I never fear if the police stop me for a traffic stop. I never fear that I'm not going to walk away from that stop. I just say, oh, why don't he just come on, give me the ticket so I can get on my way. And it's, it's bad that we have to fear every time we hear a police siren behind us in the car. That is totally, you know, harassment. And it doesn't seem to get any better. So there's a lot that has to be done with this system. There's a lot of people who's at the top who have to take action in order to keep us safe on the streets. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on, of course, we know high profile situations of black individuals, especially black men in America being killed by police officers. What what about the non-black people who are killed? Because of course, there are also many white people, Latino people, and people of other demographics who have been killed in large numbers by, by police and oftentimes in situations which are totally unjustified. I, I ask that because Sometimes I wonder. Again, I, I'm not. A, I'm not an American myself. But looking at it from the outside in, it mm -hmm. seems to be that yes, I think that racial components can obviously play a factor in some of these. But I've seen situations where that aspect is totally off the table, and the same type of thing happens. The same sort of behavior, the same type of brutality, the same type of unnecessary aggression. So I wonder if it's a uh, I mean, I, I think this is obviously a multi a multifaceted issue, but just being aware of widening widening the scope even, and you know, not just having the 
angry black parents, but angry white parents, angry Hispanic parents, any anyone who's unjustly lost uh, son, daughter, sibling, whoever it may be, father, um, to these type of situations. I, I wonder if there could be some type of unity there where people are all speaking together to demand some type of reform, to demand some type of changing in the training, some type of changing in the hiring policies. I don't know what all the problems are in each of these individual departments, but I've seen situations where it's also very clear that the people are not well-trained. And when they're not well-trained, they're just reacting in a way that's um, overly aggressive and people get hurt. Uh, yeah, well, honey, you should ask that question because we know that uh, there are white individuals that are murdered unjustly too. And in our group, we embrace them all. It's not, it's mostly Blacks because it's, it's the, you know, it's not the same um equation as with the white people because there are white people who are in our group whose son was murdered because of mental illness uh one had a dustpan in his hand and the cops shot him uh he did not have to kill him uh there are others one was just on the on the street corner mistaken identity these things do happen. And one mother hurts just as well as the next mother. We know whether you're black or white when these crazy things happen to your loved ones. Um, but we also know that they take more precaution in a white neighborhood than they do in a black neighborhood. And see, this is the problem. No one should be killed unjustly. But now there are situations where the police, and we've all seen it uh, on TV, where the- When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The police would have been justified in killing an like a, a white individual, but he didn't kill him. He might have shot him in the leg. They went out and they had their posse after them and they took him alive. Um... Uh, one incident where the man had a, a arson of guns in his car and they knew it, but they took him alive. So I just said, if that would have been one of us and they, and it was known that we had an arson of guns and we had uh, hurt somebody, it, it would have been, that would have been no contest. It, we would have been, you know, today's news, but you know, it, it's so sad that we have to live this way. It's so sad that the police officers, and they speak of training. I don't think the problem is always the training. Mm. It's the mindset mm -hmm. of the police officers. Because first of all, we have to change minds and heal hearts before these tragedies is going to stop. Because some police officers, 
they took the job just to murder us, I think. You know, just listening to some of, of the videos where a police officer takes a person down, he, he had a choice, but the choice was to, to murder this person. And I just think it's so sad and it just has to stop. Yeah. And we, as a people, we have to do something about it. And we have to keep on moving. And we are saying we want to be nonviolent. But when your loved one is killed, that's not the first thing that comes up in your mind. Nonviolence is not the first thing. You know, maybe when you calm down, you says, well, you know, let me think this through. But um, I even say if that day, if I was there when that police officer was murdering my son, he would have had to murder both of us. Mm. Because there's no way I was going to stand by and let that man choke my son to death. So they probably would have probably been two of us down there. But, you know, I, I, I think on a rational state, then I think on a realistic state also. So um, it's just like a, a catch-22. And I decided to do this the right way because it's more involved than just me. This whole thing is bigger than just me because when you hear the stories from other people, other mothers, other family members, the stories get worse and worse. A lot of people have never heard the stories. I've heard hundreds of stories now, maybe a thousand stories. And it's just so sad. Yeah. Again, speaking as an outsider, I think, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you said about the mindset. I think a lot of it is a human heart problem. Um, mm -hmm. I think the the mindset and the human heart, you know, the, the, the sad thing is there are individuals in every demographic, every career, every sector, whatever, there are, there are people out there who, who have bad hearts and who do not value human life. Um, and if that person has a gun and a badge, then that is particularly dangerous, right? And so scary. I, I, yeah, it, it, it's scary at that point because there are certainly some police officers out there. Again, it's not even just in the US. There are police officers out there in any country who have no business being police officers, right? Their job, they don't view the job as serve and protect. They view it as, okay, you know, I've got a power, I, I can power trip, I can tyrannize people, I can kind of be above the law because I'm the person who's supposed to be enforcing it. You see this all, all over mm -hmm. the world. You've got places where, you know, police are basically gangs. They're extortion, they're extorting people, they're, you know, br taking bribes, they're harassing people, they're doing all, all, all mm -hmm. kinds of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just think, yeah, I think it's going to require a very multi-pronged, a multi-pronged solution. I think something that's that's sad with these situations that I always see is it always gets unfortunately politicized immediately, right? Immediately before, sometimes before the facts are even out of the situation, it, instead of people uniting and having that sympathy and trying to really see what positive solutions they can come up with, it just becomes another political weapon, right? The the incident just becomes a thing for people to attack each other with and beat people over the head with and scream and shout at each other, sometimes causing even more problems and more violence than the initial incident itself. That's something I really see as an outsider. And I just think that is such a shame. And it seems like these type of things are going to continue to happen until people agree to sort of stop weaponizing it in such a fashion and actually come together 
and speak and discuss different solutions. And yeah, I, I understand it's a very emotive topic. I can understand why people get emotional, but if it's just totally driven by emotion, then it doesn't, it doesn't get resolved. I think people need to sit down rationally, regardless of what political side, what they're on, regardless of what skin color they have, regardless of whatever, and just say, okay, do we all agree that we do not want innocent people, innocent American civilians to be killed unjustly by police officers? I think, I think everyone, I think everyone can get on board with that statement. And then Mm -hmm. from there, people can work forward. I think people can set aside the other differences that they may have and the other disagreements they may have and keep the pressure on, on that front. That that's the way that I see it. That's where I think, okay, this is something that would really make a difference. If you could just get everyone on the same page and keep them on the same page for some duration of time, not just for four hours until people start screaming at each other again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, these, these situations, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I, it's the same when you get these sort of uh, situations where you have these, these mass shooters going out and stuff. Right. And again, instead of people coming together and trying to find a real solution, even if they might disagree on what the potential solutions are, again, it just gets weaponized. It becomes a political cudgel. And this side is throwing it at that side. That side's blaming that side. And Mm -hmm. people forget the actual perpetrator. People are no longer even blaming the person who did it. They're just blaming Mm -hmm. other people. And yeah, I mean, I'm not even there and I find it frustrating. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that that's, that's really what's needed. People need to talk and people need to sort of put their weapons down and, and focus on the issue at hand. Yes, you're so right about that. And uh, speaking of the weapons, you know, and they, they don't want to ban these assault weapons and these kids are getting hold of these assault weapons and c- creating mass murders. And they're not even discussing banding them or putting more of a restriction on them. Uh, it's so horrible. And there are so many, um, now in New York, we uh, don't have gun manufacturers, but there are so many guns here. You know, And in other states where guns are legal, we know people are getting killed every day with those guns and assault weapons and a lot of them we don't even hear about because it's it's in-house it's the family killing the family you know with these guns and if they wasn't available you know it wouldn't come to this point and i just think it's so terrible about these we do we need these assault weapons in our homes i, I i'm just terrified about it Switching topics a little bit, what are your thoughts on this proposed menthol cigarette ban that the FDA is trying to push? I know that the uh, primary demographic that smokes those particular type of cigarettes are Black Americans. Mm -hmm. So I've heard people saying that that's going to have a very disproportionate impact and potentially create more conflict. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's true. Now, as for me, uh, I'm not a smoker never been a smoker, don't condone smoking, and I wish no one smoked. But I am against the menthol ban because it's going to cause uh, unintended consequences. Now, the medical profession is saying, oh, it's not going to involve law enforcement, but we know it, it is. 
when the medical profession is ready to come down on someone, who are they going to bring with them? The police officers. They're not coming by themselves. And also, it's 80% of the Black Americans, the Black communities that smoke the menthol cigarettes. And this is where the problem lies. The, there's so much of an impact on the Black communities already. So why add fuel to the fire, so to speak? Now, I think that money that they're spending could be spent better. It could be for medical, for training, or for giving information out to the people who smoke. Because as an adult, you know, if you want to smoke, you're going to smoke. So it's going to create even a more of a bigger black market than already that's in New York. Already about 70 or 80% of the cigarettes that's coming into um, New York City is contraband, is, is um, illegal. So now that if you really can't go to the store and buy them legally, they're going to get, if you're a smoker and you're determined to get it, you're going to get it. And I told them they could come back to me with this conversation when you want to ban all cigarettes. Why aren't they going in Marlboro country? Why aren't they banning all cigarettes? Menthol never killed anyone. It's the nicotine and tar that's in every cigarette that's killing people. So to me, you are targeting a certain group of people. And when you are at a distance, you can't tell whether a person has a Marlboro or a Newport in their mouth. But being that you're in the Black community and you know that this is what's favored by the Black community, um, it's going to give you the right to go up to them. And they're not going to go up to them and say, oh, let me see what kind of cigarettes you're smoking. They're going to use something else and then say, oh, you're smoking these illegal cigarettes. I'm just totally, totally against them banning them for the safety of the people, not the medical. The medical reason is very valid, but ban all the cigarettes, not mm -hmm. just the menthol cigarettes. No, don't do a menthol ban. Is, is the claim... I did I did a little bit of research on the topic and it looks like they're trying to make the claim that they're trying to protect the black community. Of course, that's how they're framing it. I don't buy that <laughs> for all the reasons you've When have we ever came first? When have they ever tried to protect us first? Mm -hmm. Never. So why now they're saying they're trying to save black life? They're saying, oh, we're trying to keep the menthol away from uh, the youth. The youth are not even smoking menthols anymore. They're smoking weed. And you legalize weed. <laughs> now, what's the irony in this? Yeah. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you know. Uh, yeah, it's it's just take it's, away it's the menthol bizarre. and you and you legalize weed. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. If the goal were genuinely looking, trying to encourage people to take care of their health and to save human life, then that is really not the priority there. It's that's not. Really, that's really not the it's priority. Not. They'd be trying to mm -mm. make the food better, encourage people to have better nutritional habits. I mean, cardiovascular disease is a, you know, a rampant killer. Yeah. Diabetes is a rampant killer. 
Um, of course, cigarettes in general are a problem, but yes, again, they I, are. I, I, I wouldn't support an outright cigarette ban because that's way too authoritarian. I think that should be people's free choice. But if the true motive were health, then that would be the move, right? If that was really what they cared about, they wouldn't just be exactly. like, okay, let's pick out that one particular type. But you know, it's a money factor. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the whole thing uh, for the cigarette manufacturers. But um, you you are so right about that. If they cared so much about our health, why don't they put healthy grocery stores in our neighborhoods? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to ride all the way out to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods in order to get fresh cucumbers and not frozen that's been frozen and then put back on the shelf? Why is that? Why don't they come into our neighborhoods and, and, and try to put better community centers for the children? This would be bettering the neighborhood, you know, for a better life for the people in the neighborhood. But they're not doing that. They're talk only thing they're talking about is the cigarette ban, the, the the menthol ban. And but they're not even talking to the other people who don't smoke menthols. This is this I have a problem with that. Yeah, I understand that. Gwen, I want to be I want to be conscious of your time. You've been very generous with it. And I think that the message that you are putting out there is important. Is there anywhere that you want to direct people to? Where can they keep up with the work you're doing or the the, the platform is yours? What would you like listeners to check out? Um, yes, we. I have an organization called the ERIC Initiative Foundation. And our website is ERIC initiativefoundation.org. And you can look at our website and see what we've been doing over the years and what we continue to do and what we are trying to do. We're trying to save the children's lives. We're trying to show them that there's more to life than just the streets. We wanna show them that they are talented individuals. Uh, We want to get mentors. We wanna get mental health people to come in and talk to our children. And then we want to take them out and let them see what else is in the world for them. And we named it the ERIC initiative. It was, a, it's a, um, always get this word mixed up, <laughs> an acronym. <laughs> I say antonym, I say everything, but it's an acronym for my son's name, which is Eliminating Racism and Inequality Collectively. That's what his name stands for. And I wish everyone would go to the website and and go to the Facebook page and like our page. Um, And then if you want to get involved, you can, because we are looking for volunteers. We are looking for people to help our mission along, because our mission in its whole is to save people, save lives, change hearts, heal hearts. So um, I just thank you all for listening to me and I hope you have gotten something out of what I've said and you can get in touch with us at any time. Go to our website, the E-R-I-C Initiative Ms. Gwen Carr, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. I appreciate you. No doubt. And good luck with everything you're doing. I think you're spreading an important message. And 
I hope people can put aside their differences and come together on this thing and man, make some, make some positive progress. I think it's long overdue. I hope so too. Yes. Yes. That's what we have to do. Come together. No doubt. I appreciate you. God bless you. You too now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.